Gentlemen, my name is uh, Vito Corleone, and I've been asked to read this uh, disclaimer here. The, uh, the views, opinions, and conclusions expressed on this radio show are those of the host, guests, and callers, and by no means are endorsed by uh, City of Angels of New Jersey, no, any of its members. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the show. Ciao. Welcome, everyone, to the debut broadcast of Laughter and Recovery. I am your host, Will Be Clean. I'm broadcasting to you live on the City of Angels Recovery Radio from the internet here in Groveland, New Jersey. Population eight. Maybe. I'd also like to uh, thank Don Corleone for uh, coming back from the grave there to uh, read the disclaimer. Thank you, Don Vito. Anytime, Will. My uh, most valued friend. Ah, you're welcome there, Godfather. Excuse me, Will, do you mind uh, if I asked you uh, a question? No, go ahead, Godfather, what do you got? Do, uh, do you spend time with your family? Well, of course I do, Godfather. Good, because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Oh, well... Thank you, Godfather. That's uh, some words of wisdom there. And feel free to stick around for the show if you'd like to make any comments or anything you uh, hear you'd like to uh, touch on. I appreciate that. So, I'm really excited about tonight's show. This is our first show, um, Laughter and Recovery. It's going to be great. You know, for the next hour, um, we're going to be discussing the importance of laughter and recovery. And we're going to talk about some really interesting medical facts about how laughter can have a positive effect on your life and on your recovery. Um, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, some of the not-so-bright things that we do in our active addiction and even while we're uh, recovering. And how the power of laughter uh, will help ease the pain of the past present and even when you're dealing with uh, with life's on life on life's terms which we know is is difficult for addicts and alcoholics so let me tell you a little bit about myself we'll be clean I am a member of a 12-step recovery program and I'm a person who is in long-term recovery and for me that means that I have not had a drink or had a drug in my body for a little under seven years. As a matter of fact, at the end of August, I'm about nine days away from my anniversary. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make that one. And remember, seven years in a row, consecutive, no interruptions. That's kind of important, right? So, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I am a stand-up comedian. I'm a trained stand-up comedian. Uh, that's a big difference. I probably started my comedy career when I lived out in California. And I had a great teacher. His name is Greg Dean. 
You can Google him. He's all over the website. He's a great comedy teacher. Not only did he teach us the art and the etiquette of stand-up, but he also taught us uh, the science and the psychological view of comedy. And you ask someone, well, what's funny about a joke? Why do you laugh? Most people say, well, the joke was funny. You know, uh, I just thought it was funny. Well, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people don't know. This is really interesting. Why people laugh at a joke. What the comedian does is he shatters your life assumptions. And that's it. It's very simple. Perfect example. Not the best joke in the world, but it works for this situation. My wife ran away with my best friend. So, right away, because of your life assumptions, you think that my best friend is a guy. And that's the norm. So the comedian will shatter that assumption by saying, gee, I'm going to miss my dog, who is also a best friend. Or, gee, I'm going to miss my remote. Or... Goodness gracious knows what else. We could go down the list. I wrote that, that joke a long, long time ago. And as the times have changed, uh, you know, so of the best friends, uh, which is pretty crazy. So you have a setup and you have a punch, okay? And then you have a connector and that's best friend, okay? And that's what brings the joke together. You shatter the assumption and that's what's funny. It's very simple. And that's one of the things that Greg taught us. And that's how I write my material. So, enough about me and what I do. Let me tell you what else we're doing tonight. We may be having a comedian call in. His name is Taylor Ketchum. He's from New York City. He's in a 12-step program of recovery. I've seen this guy on YouTube. He's really, really funny. Uh, and hopefully he'll be calling in sometime during the show. And we can get him on here and talk about uh, you know, some of the stuff that he does and how laughter has affected his recovery. So, here's some medical information about laughter. Now, you're feeling run down, right? So they say try laughing more. Some researchers think that laughter might just be the best medicine. You know, it can help put that spring back in your step. And we have uh, Steve Wilson. He's a psychologist and a laugh therapist. Yes, there are laugh therapists. And he wrote that, I believe that if people can get more laughter in their lives, they're a lot better off. And they might be healthier too. Now, researchers aren't exactly sure if it's actually the act of laughing that makes people feel good. You know, a good sense of humor, positive attitude, and the support of friends and family, you know, that kind of plays um, an important role also, you know. And then there's people who are going to say that a lot of the research just hasn't been done yet. But they're working on it. But while we don't know for sure that laughter helps people feel better, it certainly doesn't hurt. You know, so I've never laughed myself into, uh, into painful injury. Well, that lasted too long. So let's talk about the physiological change when we laugh. Okay, when we laugh, we stretch muscles throughout our face, our body. Our blood pressure goes up, we breathe faster, sending more oxygen to our tissues, you know, just like when I used to do cocaine. Same effect. 
Only it was illegal, it cost way too much money, my nose was bleed, and uh, it was hard to talk to people. So, interesting with the face muscle thing, all those people get out there getting Botox and all these other things, you know what? You might want to just try laughing. Instead of having your ears pulled behind your head, laugh a little bit. Maybe it'll, it'll improve your complexion. Now, people who believe in the benefits of laughter say it can also be like a mild workout. Okay, and many, and may offer some of the same advantages as a workout. So, I'm working on my new laugher size class, okay, that we're going to be doing. Um, you know, we're going to put on some old Richard Pryor, we're going to put some other things on, and, uh, and we'll do uh, certain exercises while laughing, slapping the floor, you know, those kinds of things that we do when we laugh. So, the effects, now this is what Steve Wilson has said, he's done this study, okay, did we get Steve Wilson in here? Yeah, Steve Wilson, the psychologist and laugh therapist, that's classic, you know. It's nothing better than having your psychologist laugh at you. That would not be good. So, as I said, it is a mild workout, and they say that the effects of laughter and exercise uh, are very similar. Combining laughter and movement, like waving your arms, is a great way to boost your heart rate. Very interesting. Now, there's a pioneer in laughter research. His name is William Fry. And he claimed it took 10 minutes on a rowing machine for his heart rate to reach the level it would after just one minute of hearty laughter. So it could be a good way to, uh, to burn calories, is what they're saying. And I cannot pronounce this person's name, so I'm just going to say the last name. Bukowski, a researcher from Vanderbilt University, conducted a small study in which he measured the amount of calories expanding expended in laughing. So it turned out in about 10-15 minutes you burned about 50 calories. Okay. 50 calories is not good. Alright, so just uh, eat less, okay? And laugh more. I think that's kind of the, uh, the thing here. I mean, losing one pound would require 12 hours of concentrated laughter, which, uh, you know, probably isn't good, especially if you're at home right now and you're listening to this show and you're laughing by yourself. Now listen, nothing's wrong. there's nothing wrong with that. If you're at home and you're laughing by yourself, that's good. I think we run into problems when uh, you're laughing with your dog Precious while you go into your basement where you have a deep well and there's a girl in there and you're asking her to put the lotion in the basket. Okay? That's not good. Okay? So stay out of the basement. <laughs> That's a Silence of the Lambs thing there for all you uh, movie freaks. So there's another person out there that says Provine. Robert Provine, he's a professor of psychology and neuroscience at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and the author of Laughter, a Scientific Investigation. Now he says that the most convincing health benefit he's seen from laughter is its ability to dull pain. Ooh, pain. Interesting topic for addicts, eh? Wouldn't you say there? 
Don't let the doctors hear this one. Numerous studies of people in pain or discomfort have found that when they laugh, they report that their pain doesn't bother them as much. Now, how what a world we would live in if when you went to the doctor and he asked you what your pain scale is from 1 to 10. We all know this. All the people who are in recovery, I'm sure, have heard this one. Because mine was always a 12. You know, some days it was a 13, but most days it was a 12. The doctor go, you go in to see the doctor, and he says, what's your pain scale looking like? 1 to 10. 10 being bad, 1 being bearable. Well, Doc, mine's a 10. What do you got for me? Well, I'd like you to go home and watch Animal House. And I'd also like you to watch Stripes. Four times a day as needed for pain. However, do not operate heavy equipment while watching these shows. I mean, that would just be amazing. If you go to the doctor and your prescription says, you know, I need to watch these movies. Animal House. I need to watch... Uh, stripes, you know. You go to the pharmacy and you say, I'll have a bag of pistachios and uh, here's my prescription for Stripes and Animal House. It would definitely be a better world. So, the definite, and this is what uh, Robert Provine says, the definite research into the potential health benefits of laughter just hasn't been done yet. Okay. So, my question to him is, why are you not doing that? Okay, you wrote a book, Scientific Investigation. Now, that, now that's contradictory there. He's saying the research hasn't been done, but I wrote a book that I did some research. Okay, that's great. Thanks, Dr. Provine. So, Provine also says that laughter is part of a larger picture. Laughter is social. So any health benefits might really come from being close with friends and family and not the laughter itself. In his own research, Provine has found that we're 30 times more likely to laugh when we're with other people than when we're alone in the basement with Precious. Please put the lotion in the basket or you're getting the hose again. Okay, get some friends. Stop putting people in the well. I'm a big fan of that movie. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I just love that movie. People who laugh a lot may just have a strong connection to the people around them. Then, in itself, it may have some, uh, some health benefits, you know. And, but we all know that laughing and being with friends and being with family... Um, and being happy can make you feel better. You know, it gives us a boost, even though studies may not show why. You know, so Wilson and Provine agree that, you know, regardless of whether laughter actually improves your health or boosts your energy, it undeniably improves your quality of life. You know, so basically what they're saying here is if we enjoy laughter, it isn't that reason enough to laugh. You know, do you really need a prescription to laugh? Really? I mean, come on. You know, um, a big part of my recovery in a 12-step uh, program has 
being having the ability to laugh at myself, you know, um, if you're able to laugh at yourself, I really think that 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 can help you get through some of the really um, difficult times, you know. Um, I am taking texts as the show is going on, and uh, <laughs> said uh, when I said William Fry. My sister sent me a text that says, remember Mr. Fry who used to fix our TV uh, and he was, he was a midget, like a small person, so he could just get right in the TV there, you know, like it was so easy for him, Mr. Fry. Oh my goodness, he's a great guy. You know, I was so small then and I really hadn't had any experience with small people at that moment. But, you know, small people who are my own age, not small people who are like 50. So I really didn't know what that was all about. I remember asking my mom, like, why is uh, he so small? You know, my mom said, because he is. And I said, thanks, mom. That explains it all. Like, way to go. <laughs> Holy mackerel. All right, we're going to take a, uh, a little bit of a break here. We actually have our first sponsor and will be clean has the privilege of telling you about our sponsor okay it's a great rehab it is a, a dynamite rehab it's called uh, insight to recovery an experiential treatment center in Florida I really recommend that you go on and you check out this website. It's the website is insighttorecovery.com, and you know, like, uh, we'll be clean. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reading up on this place, you know, and I was a had attended a prep school, which I will not mention, of course. And you know, it's college prep, and it's smaller classes. You get better attention. You know, the teachers spend more time with you. You're in a quieter learning environment. That's what Insight to Recovery is all about. You know, it's very small. Um, not as small as Mr. Fry, of course, but it's very small. Um, small uh, recovery classes, you know. Uh, not that you can't recover in a room filled with 50 people, but what, what they're doing here is I think you're getting a more focused attention on yourself, maybe a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time, you know, with a counselor, I think, which is, uh, which is really important. You know, and you're going to get some, uh, some really good personal treatment. And there's going to be a show Thursday night on August 22nd at 9 p.m., and it's called Saving Lives with Tom Redneck Clark. Tom Redneck Clark is an awesome guy. He's City of Angels uh, director of fundraising. And he just, uh, I'm sorry, he's not the director of fundraising, excuse me. I wonder who that is. <laughs> no, he's our director of interventions. And uh, he does a great job, man. He really does. And uh, if you get a chance, check out this place. Insight to Recovery, an experiential treatment center in Florida. What they mean by experiential is it's experience-based, you know, which is great because you're getting people who are experienced in, in uh, 
working a 12-step recovery program, you know, which is what you want. You want to learn how to ride a bike, you know, you don't go talk to a real estate agent, you know, you want to get it from the, from the horse's mouth in this case. And um, so it's insighttorecovery.com. I think it's a really, uh, it's a really great place. So all this talk about <clears throat> uh, rehab and everything kind of brings me back to uh, when I went to rehab. You know, uh, when I got out of the hospital, um, I was trying to get into the Harvard of rehabs, you know, H-A-R-V-A-R with a D. So I was trying to get into one of those types of places, and they just did not have a bed for me. And it got to the point where I was like, called the insurance company, and I said, just please, put me anywhere. I don't care where it is. Just put me somewhere. And they did. And uh, it wasn't the nicest place, you know. They didn't have horses. They didn't have a pool. I didn't get to hit any golf balls. Um, as a matter of fact, the facility was, and of course I'm not going to name the place, but I'll never forget what I did. The night I got there, uh, it was during football season because I remember one of the first things I asked the counselor was, am I going to be able to watch the uh, football games on Sundays? Yeah, that's real good. Like, you're real concerned about your recovery, you moron. I can't believe it didn't hit me over the head with a, a frying pan at that moment. Probably would have helped me. <clears throat> and they're like, yeah, you can watch football games. Like, that's great. So... I went into the meeting, and all the people that were staying there were there. And they said, why don't you stand, you know, why don't you introduce yourself? So me being obnoxious, uh, I stood up, and I'll never forget the first words that came out of my mouth. I said, you know, I've had a good life. <laughs> I've had a good life. That's what I said. I had a good life. Well, if you had such a great life, what in the world are you doing in rehab you know and it just goes to show you like where you're at when you get there you know and I remember sleeping in my bed the first night the pillow it had cornflakes in it I swear I didn't know whether to sleep on it or pour milk in it I mean it was disgusting and then you had that one sheet on the on the plastic mattress and then when I would like roll over the sheet would pop off and then it would roll over again under that cold plastic God knows what has been put on that stuff so you know that was like my first night um, at rehab you know and um, and I'll never forget that they asked us to watch some movies you know and we watched comedies you know and at that point in my life, uh, my world had just collapsed. And the power of laughter uh, helped me lift out of that, you know, and, and get outside of myself. And even if it was for a brief, um, you know, 20 minutes or an hour, however long it lasted, it had a profound effect um, on my recovery. You know, it gave me the ability to even though, you know, things were at its worst, I was, uh, I was still able to laugh, you know. And um, anyone who's been to a recovery, 12-step uh, recovery program meeting 
knows that there's a lot of laughing that's going on. There really is. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about it, you know. Some of the things that I've done in my, in my addiction, uh, definitely not proud of. But through step work with the guidance of a sponsor, you know, I've been able to, like, laugh at those things now, you know. Um, I've been able to laugh at those things. And, uh, and it's been a big help. So, also, um, around 8.55, maybe in about, uh, maybe in about 10 minutes, I'm going to give out a phone number, and if anybody would like to call in and, you know, share some of their experience uh, about laughter and recovery, or comment on anything that we've talked about here tonight or had any questions, um, you know, please keep in mind, if you are just tuning in, um, this is a uh, radio broadcast, obviously, and it's about uh, laughter and recovery, you know, and uh, we had Don Vito over there read the, uh, uh, read the disclaimer earlier. How you doing there, Don Vito? You okay? Well, I'm doing quite well, Michael. You know, I, I wanted to say something about the whole drug thing. What's that there? Don Vito, you know, I always believed that uh, drugs was a dirty business, you know, not like uh, gambling and prostitution, which, uh, you know, are viewed as uh, harmless vices. Oh, well, you know, Don Vito, I think times have changed a little bit. Gambling and prostitution are uh, not the harmless vice that they uh that you think it was. I know you've only been back from the grave for a short period of time, but maybe you should go read something. You know? Well, I apologize for that, Michael. You know, I've, I've talked to Bazzini and Clemenza and, and uh, the Tatalias, and, you know, I'll, I'll try and straighten the whole thing out for you. All right, you do that, Don Vito. Thank you. Thank you. So let me give out that phone number. Uh, the phone number is... <laughs> Uh, 609-241-7103. That's 609-241-7103. If you'd like to talk to Will Be Clean about laughter and recovery, please call in and uh, we'll take your call. So... There's a Harley in the background, if you can hear that. We have a motorcycle uh, rally that's going on here right now. So, as I look back and I think about some of the things uh, that go on in a 12-step recovery program, I think it's important. that we talk about, a little bit about, being able to laugh and not feeling bad about yourself. You know, I think that's really, uh, like, really, really important because so far in my close to seven years of recovery, I've never met anyone in a 12-step program of recovery who was new, who was just in a good mood. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's get honest. Uh, um, and, and I love, uh, you know, when I, when I went to my first meeting, you know, I just did, did not feel welcome. And that wasn't my 
It wasn't uh, the meeting. It was me, you know. It was where I was in my life. And, uh, you know, Jim Morrison said it best. People are strange when you're a stranger. And that is so true. I came into recovery a stranger. I knew no one. Um, scared to death that somebody was going to know who I was. So, of course, I went to meetings outside of my area. Um, and later on, come to realize that, you know, when I do see people who I know, it's like, oh, it's so good to see them. You know, because if you made it there, you know, you have a chance. You really have a chance to live, you know, to live a good life. And uh, I think that's important. So it looks like we uh, we got some more text messages coming in. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me, is, uh, is Mr. Fry French? <laughs> I just got that. French Fry, right? Is that where we're going with that? <laughs> Uh, we're getting sued over this one. <laughs> that comes from a friend of mine uh, who, who's uh, I attend meetings with, and I'll tell you, he's a really funny guy. I think I'd like to have him on the uh, on the show one of these nights. <laughs> it's Mr. Fry French. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I'll tell you. So a couple of other things I wanted to talk about, um, my own personal experience in, a, uh, in my active addiction, um, and this is kind of personal. And for those of you who are out there who are listening who are not in recovery or may have someone in your life uh, who could use uh, a 12-step program of recovery, This story might sound really strange, and it might sound odd at first, but through going to meetings, getting a home group, which is important. By the way, home group, when I was in rehab, <laughs> it's hilarious. When I was in rehab, they were like, you got to get a home group. And when I heard the word home group, I'm like, does that mean people have to come to my house? Because I am not having that. You know, like, I didn't even have a house. What the hell am I talking about? Um, but for those of you who are not in recovery, who are listening to this, um, this is testament to, like I said, going to meetings, getting a home group, getting a sponsor, and when your sponsor sees fit, having you work a 12-step program of recovery, um, it will enable you to be at peace with yourself, you know, to like take the bricks out of your, that bag that you've been carrying around all your life and let go, you know. Um, and here's a very true and actual thing that happened to me during my addiction that I was able to get through, you know. And today, myself and my family and my friends are able to laugh about it. Towards the end of my addiction, uh, I was addicted to pain medication uh, and uh, opiates. 
I couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. Going through the pain and the anxiety of withdrawal uh, from opiates is just hell. And uh, it got to the point where I just didn't want to live anymore, you know. And I decided to commit suicide, to attempt uh, suicide. And I took about 80 Percocets. And, uh, and I did it at my mom's house. And my mom noticed that I was laying on the bed and not breathing well at all, hardly breathing. So she called uh, my brother. And my brother said, well, did you call 911? And my mom said, no. No, I didn't. And he said, well, what did you do? She said, I made him clams and spaghetti. <laughs> She made me clams and spaghetti because clams and spaghetti will take care of everything. Right, Don Vito? Yeah, that's right, Mike. The clams and the spaghetti, you know. You don't put any cheese on that. You understand? No, I, I like cheese on my, my, my clams and spaghetti. But, you know, we laugh at that today, you know. And, uh, and I managed to uh, kind of come around and, and my family said, come on. You know, we're going to take somewhere. And I said, where are we going? They said, we're going to eat. Because food was like, you know, I love food. Like, I was the only fat guy in rehab. Okay, that's another thing. We'll continue with the other story. It just reminded me of something. When I went to rehab, I was 315 pounds. About six foot one. And, uh, you know, people were like, you know, fat guy in rehab? Like, are you in the right rehab? Should you be at uh, some other type of 12-step recovery program that's involved with food, maybe? No, no. I I was, uh, you know, definitely an addict, but I did not miss a meal. I'm sorry. You know, no matter how I was, I was, I was eating something. And some of the people in there were looking at me, and uh, the people from the rehab were from inner cities and convicted felons and things of those natures. And uh, they started accusing me of being an undercover cop. You know, this is hilarious. And I was like, okay, you got me. I'm here at the rehab to bust the river of cocaine that's flowing through here from Columbia and circulating throughout all the, uh, the tri-state area. You know, oh, you got me. You got me. You know, like, okay. Even now, now I found humor in that at that moment. You know, um, but going back to when they brought me to the hospital, um, I, I sat down with the nurse, and the nurse asked me, how many Percocets did you take? And being the good addict that I was, I said, seven, when I had taken 80. And, uh, and the nurse was like, well, we'll just count the bottle and see what's in there. <laughs> I'm like, go ahead, count them. Seven. I took seven. And then uh, she counted them, and I'll never forget her face. Her face was like, holy guacamole. You know, like, what? And she very calmly said, why don't you just come in the back with us? Okay, we need to, we need to talk to you. We really do. And I'm like, sure, I'll come in the back. Whatever. So... They bring me in the back there, 
and uh, and they were smart. These people, they're not stupid. You know, I had the rest of my prescriptions in my pants, and one of the first things they did was ask me to remove them, and uh, I did that, and. I got in the gown, I drank that charcoal, and I, I fought it for a little while. Uh, but then I, I remember that was like my moment of like surrender, you know, where I was just like, I know that I'll never go down this path again. Like, I can't say how I know that or why I knew that, but I just knew that, and this is the ridiculous thing, is like, I thought that no one knew what I was doing, you know. But once I was confronted with the fact that they knew, and then I knew, then it just kind of hit me at that moment, like, you know, it's time for me to stop. And, and that's kind of how my, uh, that's kind of how my recovery um, kicked off, you know, it really did. And, uh, you know, it was a difficult time, like the hurricane of lies that I had told and all the damage that it had done. Uh, started to, um, you know, started to come around. And each time my brother would come to visit me, there was a small list of questions that he had for me, like, where's your car? And where's this? And who did that? You know, and um, oh, it was such a, a, such a difficult time and not a fun time, you know, at all. There was no fun involved at that moment. And having a one-on-one person, you know, like having a one-on-one person, someone has to watch me because I'm on a suicide watch, you know, like, and, and the funny thing about that is now is that they have these people round the clock, okay, and the lady comes in in the morning and she's very bright and cheery and talk to her for a while, and then there's the guy who comes in at night who cannot stay awake, okay, and I'm getting bored, so I would throw things at them, like small little crumpled up tissue papers or, you know, make faces at them and do all kinds of other stuff, you know. And, uh, and that's kind of how it went for me in the beginning. And I think what we're going to do now is I think we're going to wrap the show up, you know. Um, maybe next time we can get Taylor Ketchum in here. Um, if you want to check him out, you can Google him. He's on YouTube. I know he's on YouTube. That's Taylor Ketchum with a K. And I also want to give a little shout-out to another great comedian, a guy who's in recovery also. His name is Mick DeFlo. Mick. M as in Mary. And DeFlo, D-I-F-L-O. You can check him out on YouTube. These guys are really funny comedians. They're hard-working comics. Um... And uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening tonight. You know, um, I hope that maybe you got something out of this tonight. You know, laughter and recovery go hand in hand. They are so very important. And it's a huge part of my life. You know, and uh, I live by this motto. Life is too important to take seriously. So with that, good night. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day tomorrow. This is Will Be Clean, Laughter and Recovery. Good night.